I'm Ken Sandberg. And I'm Heather Michelle Lawler. And this is Campfire Classics, yeah. where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelf. We're gonna do it! song yeah it's good it still hasn't gotten old yeah it's really good so here we are we're back um we made it through our first episode and now we're doing round two if you're here that means you liked round one or, or you, you skipped missed round it one. so go back and listen to that one but listen to this one first because you're already here and why not yeah uh if you've already listened to round one and you're hearing my voice and you're thinking wow ken sounds really strange that's because he has I, a mustache. I have shaved most of the hair off of oh my, my face God. and left only only my mustache. This was an <laughs> act of contrition. Uh. Episode one, for those of you who didn't listen, was a uh, was a Poirot mystery. Yes. And at one point I made a joke about uh, two of the mo- more famous actors who have played Poirot, Kenneth Branagh and David Suchet. Um falling down off of their camels and the patron saint of mustaches having to drag them up by their Their respective mustache eye, (laughs) which I believe is the plural of mustaches. It is. Look it up. Mustache eye. Um, Unfortunately, I mispronounced David Suchet's name. I called him David Suchet. I think I did it (laughs) twice during the episode. And... uh, Embarrassed and guilt-ridden, I decided this was the only, the only way I could possibly atone. So he came out of the bathroom, and I quite literally fell over laughing on the bed. <laughs> there are, um, uh, I, I will be putting together um, a before and after picture. There is also a video of me shaving, mm-hmm. and for those of you wonderful people who are, are our patrons on Patreon yeah, for Patreon. $5 a month or more, uh, you will have access to that video as part of our behind-the-scenes and extra features. So literally for less than uh, like a cup of coffee at Starbucks, like a fancy cup of coffee a month, you can watch Ken make himself look ridiculous. It really is horrible looking. <laughs> And you'll also get, like, his cheesecake recipe and other things. So. Yeah, my cheesecake recipe is also in there. Oh, which, so good. Which, if I ate more of it, would um, make me look more like I tend to think of Poirot looking. Because he's a little round man with a mustache. That's true. Maybe I should eat lots of cheesecake before the next time we do a Poirot mystery. I think that's always a good idea to eat a lot of cheesecake. So visit our Patreon page. It's... Uh, patreon.com slash 5050artsproduction and you can become a patron and you can see his redonkulous mustache eye. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, what am I reading today? So today... Uh, oh, I'm you're, so scared. You're, you're going to be reading a story oh, by um, one of the more famous authors in English literature, Mr. Charles Dickens. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, famous, of course, for Oliver Twist and probably more so for um, Christmas, Carol. Uh, Christmas Carol, of course. But this is a, um, a, a brief little story that I have heard is bizarre and kind of creepy okay. <laughs> titled To Be Read at Dusk. Ooh. So it feels thematically appropriate. Yeah. And I have just pulled it up here on my Kindle. Yay. So there you go. Y'all, I'm so scared. <laughs> I'm so nervous about this, actually. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, should we start the fire? Oh, yeah. Let's get that thing going. Let's get the fire going. All right. Fabulous. Take her away. To be read at dusk by Charles Dickens. One, two, three, four. Four, five. There were five of them. Oh, good. He can count. <laughs> Is this a children's book? <laughs> I know I have trouble pronouncing words, but did you really just give me a children's book? This was a trick. This book was not actually written by Charles Dickens. This is one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish. I'm still going to mess up the words. (laughs) Dr. Seuss is hard. He is hard. Dr. Seuss is complicated. He makes up words all the time. Probably why I'm scarred for life. I can't pronounce 
pronounce words in books. All right. One, two, three, four, five. There were five of them. Sweetie, you already read that part. <laughs> this mustache is making him a dick. Five couriers. Couriers? I can't see the word, so I don't know. Couriers. Couriers. Couriers, five probably. Five couriers sitting on a bench. Out there were off to a good start. Five couriers sitting on a bench outside the convent on the summit of the great St. Bernard in Switzerland. Ooh, I bet that's pretty. Looking at the remote heights stained by the setting sun as if a mighty quantity of red wine had been broached upon the mountaintop and had not yet had time to sink into the snow. I love red wine. Yum, that is some good imagery. You guys... That's first of all, so, it's beautiful, and then they mention red wine, and that, that that's all I want. <laughs> that entire mountain is a red wine flavored snow cone. Oh my god! <laughs> Give it to me now. Oh my god! Why don't I have wine yet? Oh okay. Okay. I I think we should start with all of the money we make off of this podcast. We need to open a um a wine-flavored snow cone cart. Okay, so give us money and we will open a <laughs> wine-flavored, like actual, like wine though. It won't just be flavored. It will be alcoholic snow cones. We will flavor our snow cones with wine. Like all flavors. Or possibly wine concentrate. <laughs> you keep reading. I'm going to let the cat Lina, Lina is meowing, as we told you. Um, so we're on this mountaintop and we had not yet time to sink into the snow. This is not my simile. Simile? Simile. This is not my simile? Oh, he stole it from someone, I guess is what he's saying. This is not my simile. It was made for the occasion by the stoutest courier, who was a German. <laughs> All that beer. None of the others took any more notice of it, and they took of me, sitting on another bench on the other side of the convent door, smoking my cigar, like them, and also like them, looking at the reddened snow, and at the lonely shed hard by where the bodies of belated travelers dug out of it slowly wither away, knowing no corruption in the cold region. What? Oh God. The fuck is going on up on this mountain? <laughs> well, it's like Mount Everest. People try to climb it, but they, they probably die. die a lot of the That's time. That's true. Lina came in. She's sniffing around. I'm Come here, Pooter. i give her some food. Oh, we're going to feed the cat. Um, did you feed her food this morning? I gave her wet food this morning. Okay, don't make, don't let her trick you. Yeah. <laughs> She's sneaky. There you go. Now you have some food. Eat up. Good girl. All right. So people died on this mountain. All right. Great. The wine upon the mountaintop soaked in as we looked. The mountain became white. The sky a very dark blue. The wind rose and the air turned piercing cold. The five couriers buttoned their rough coats, there being no safer man to imitate in all the proceedings than a courier. I buttoned mine. Good call. It's probably cold. Yeah, I mean, I would people imagine. died up there and they're in a convent. I mean, it's... <laughs> convent on a snow-capped mountain. Yeah, I'd button my coat. Yeah, it's fucking freezing. The mountain in the sunset had stopped the five couriers in conversation. It is a sublime sight, likely to stop conversation. <laughs> Didn't he just say that? The mountain... <laughs> He's a little redundant. You know Dickens was getting paid by the word, right? A problem. I mean, short stories? Yeah. That's, that's literally not one of my usual jokes. He I was know. getting paid by the word for half of this shit. Well, shit. I mean, like, he's gonna be like, mm, wine mountain, wine mountain top. It was a sight to stop conversation. It actually stopped conversation. He's smart. This guy was smart. He knew what he was doing. He knew what's up. It is a sublime sight, likely to stop conversation. The mountain being out of the sunset, they resumed. Okay, so they finished the sunset, they and now sunset. they can move on. Oh, that's true. Like, every time we're in San Diego, or any time, like, I'm near water, specifically, or in a mountain range, you gotta watch, you gotta stop and watch sunset. Yeah. It's a magical moment. It's like when the whole world kind of comes together. Yeah. I want to see a sunset. I want to go to a beach. <laughs> Stay home. Wear a mask. Not that I had heard any part of their previous discourse, for indeed, I had not. I had been... <laughs> not that I had heard any part of their previous discourse, for indeed, I had not then broken away from the American gentleman in the traveler's parlor of the convent 
who, sitting with his face to the fire, had undertaken to realize to me the whole process of events which had led to the accumulation by the Honorable Anias Dodger of one of the largest acquisitions of dollars ever made in our country. So this guy's loaded. Okay. Cool. My God, said the Swiss courier, speaking in French. <laughs> What's that? What's my God in French? Mon Dieu. Mon Dieu! said the Swiss courier speaking in French, which I do not hold, as some authors appear to do, to be such an all-sufficient excuse for a naughty word. He just <laughs> slam-basted people for, like, that's amazing. He's like, I'm a good guy. I don't swear. Well, we're I don't gonna even re- swear in French. Nope, nope. Oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. Um, naughty word, that I only write it in the language to make it innocent, if you talk to ghosts. But I don't talk to ghosts. Oh, I gotta be German. Yeah, that. But I don't talk to ghosts, said the German. Of what, then, said the Swiss? I'm not even gonna attempt Swiss. I don't even know. Uh, as a... uh, it sounds sort of halfway between German and French. Yeah, we're, we're, he's gonna be slightly British. <laughs> of what, then, asked the Swiss. If I knew of what then, said the German, I would probably know a great deal more. I don't know what accent I'm doing. I'm so sorry. Wow, your German just moved to Scotland. (laughs) If I knew of what, I would probably know a great deal more. A great deal more. Oh, whatever. They're on a mountain. It doesn't matter. (laughs) I would probably know a great deal more. I did get Scottish. That's hilarious. (laughs) It was a very good answer, I thought, and it made me curious. So I moved my position to the corner of my bench, which was nearest to them, and leaning my back against the uh, convent wall, heard perfectly without appearing to attend. Now he's eavesdropping on these people. Sneaky little bugger. Sneaky, sneaky. They're going to jump him. (laughs) Thunder and lightning, said the German Very, very frightening me. (laughs) Galileo! 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 Oh my God, they probably read this. I bet Queen, like, Freddie Mercury's sitting around, he's like, thunder and lightning. Ooh. Ooh, I like that. I'm gonna bank on that. That's a lyric right there. (laughs) I got an epic, epic, epic song to write about that. Just like the the mountain with the wine snow cones. Mm, Snow cone. Hey, listeners, it's Ken here. I just wanted to interject to apologize for that phone ringing sound. I didn't catch it when we were recording because, well, I didn't have the headphones still in, but now that I'm editing, here it is. Don't worry, it'll be over in about 20 seconds. Thunder and lightning. Oh, I lost my accent. Thunder and lightning, said the German, warming. When a certain man is coming to you unexpectedly and without his own knowledge sends some invisible messenger to put the idea of him into your head all day, what do you call that? When you walk along a crowded street at Frankfurt, Milan, London, Paris, and think that a passing stranger is like your friend Heinrich, and then that other passenger passing stranger is like your friend Heinrich, Heinrich, and so begin to have a strange foreknowledge that presenting presently you'll meet your friend Heinrich. Which you do, though you believe him at priest. What do you call that? It's not uncommon either, murmured the Swiss and the other three. Uncommon, said the German. I can't do German with, like, not being angry as fuck. Like, it's just, like, no offense to German people, but it is a very aggressive language. It is well known to be one of the more aggressive-sounding dialects in which you can speak English. Yeah. Uncommon, said the German. It's as common as cherries in the back floor. (laughs) This is very... I am sight reading in a German dialect, neither of which I excel at. So here we go. Good. It's going to be a party. It's so good. It's as common as cherries in the black forest. It's as common as macaroni at Naples. <laughs> and Naples reminds me, when the old Marchanza Sesamia shrinks at the card party on the Kajia. <laughs> what is he saying? 
as I heard and saw her, for it happened in the Bavarian family of mine, that I was overlooking at the service that evening. I say, when the old Marchinia starts up at the card table, white through her rouge, and cries, My sister is in Spain is dead. I felt her cold touch on my back. And when my sister is dead at that moment, what do you call that? I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> Just get drunk? No, he's saying, okay, so you're sitting at a card table with a rich lady from Spain. And she says, she stands up from the card table and she says, My sister's dead! I feel her! She just died! And then her sister dies. What do you call that? Oh, got it. Okay, that was a really roundabout way with a lot of big words that I definitely butchered. (laughs) (laughs) That's Um, why I'm here. I'm sure there are names. There are definitely names in there and cities that I have never seen in my life. Probably some pseudo-German words, too. whatever. Oh, is this still him? I don't know. Oh, yeah. He, he, this guy's a philosopher. Or this, the... guy is, this guy is... You ready? This is this is going to be a pullback from last episode. This guy is voluble. He's voluble! <laughs> he goes on and on and on and on, and I get, you get to enjoy more of my German accent. Or when the blood of St. Gennaro liquefies at the request of the clergy, and all the world knows that it does regularly once a year in my native city, said the Neapolitan... Oh, that's a different guy. That's okay, because that accent sucked. Said the Neapolitan courier after a pause with a comical look. What do you call that? (laughs) He's... That guy is sassy. That guy's suave. He's sassy. What do you call that? That, cried the German. (laughs) Well, I think I know a name for that. Miracle, said the Neapolitan, with the same sly face. The German merely smoked and laughed, and they all smoked and laughed. Bah, said the German presently. I speak of things that really do happen. When I want to see the... When I want to see the conjure, I pay to see a professed one, and I have my money's worth. Very strange things do happen without goss. Goss. Giovanni Baptista tells you a story of the English bride. There's no ghost in that, but something full as strange. Will any man tell me what? As there was a silence among them, I glanced around. He whom took to be Baptista was lighting a fresh cigar. He presently went out to speak. He was a Genoese? Genoese, as I judged. Sure. Is he from Genoa? That's that's what I would assume. Genoese. Genoese. I love that these guys are just sitting on a fucking mountaintop at a convent smoking cigars and philosophizing. Yeah, it sounds like a party. It really is a joke. It's like a German, a Neapolitan, (laughs) and a Swiss Swiss walk into a Genoese, walk into a convent, convent and start smoking cigars. (laughs) What do you get? Well, we're, we're going to find out. What do you get? A Charles Dickens punchline. <laughs> the story of the English bride, he said. Basta. One ought not to call so slight a thing a story. Well, it's all one, but it's true. Observe me well, gentlemen, it's true. That which glitters is not always gold. But what There's I am... a lady who's sure... Yeah. All that glitters is gold. This is just like rock anthems, like gli- like littered throughout this. There's already been two. Yep. That's amazing. Yep. Every English band uh, is required to read this before they get their certification as rock band <laughs> in, in the, the nations of the United Kingdom uh, and like, Commonwealth. This is like their version of like reading like Romeo and Juliet in high school. Like you have to read it. Yes. Okay. But for for like for like band school for for at the when you attend the School of Rock UK. This is bullshit. You have to read to be read at dusk. Sly. Beforehand, because that's how they come up with all their lyrics. He repeated this once more. <laughs> Ten years ago, I took my credentials to an English gentleman at Long's Hotel in Bond Street, London, who was about to travel. It might have been for one year, it might have been for two. He approved of them, likewise of me. He was pleased to make inquiry. 
The testimony that he received was favorable. He engaged me by the six months and my entertainment was generous. He was young, handsome, very happy. He was enamored of a fair young English lady with a sufficient fortune and they were going to be married. It was the wedding trip, in short, that, were, that we were going to take. For three months' rest in the hot weather, it was early summer then, he had hired an old place on the Riviera at an easy distance from my city, Genoa. Boom. Genoese. Genoese, Genoa. On the road to Nice. I want some salami. Mm, there's so much food references in this. We're cooking dinner. We're going to make food after this. Yum. I'm starving. Can we, we cook it over the campfire? Yeah. Awesome. We'll make hot dogs. <laughs> hot dog. Uh, Genoa on the road to Nice. Did I know what place? Yes, I told him I knew it well. It was an old place with great gardens. It was a little bare and it was a little dark and gloomy being close surrounded by trees, but it was spacious, ancient, grand, and on the seashore. <laughs> this place sounds horrible. <laughs> Goddamn. Rich people. He said it had been so described to him exactly, and he was very pleased that I knew it. For its being a little bare of furniture, all such places were... For its being a little gloomy, he had hired it principally for the gardens, and he and my mistress would pass the summer weather in their shade. So, all goes well, Baptista, he said. Indubitably, Signor, very well. We had a traveling chariot for our journey, newly built for us, and in all respects complete. All we had was complete. We wanted for nothing. Life's hard. The marriage took place. They were happy. I was happy. Seeing all so bright, being so well situated, going to my own city, teaching my language in the rumble to the maid. In the rumble to the maid? I don't know what he was doing teaching Italian to the rumble. Like, in wow. the rumble with the maid. I mean, that's one way to teach new languages. I like I just, getting the rumble. I just, like, I'm I'm willing to bet that if that's how foreign languages were taught, a lot more high school students would get better grades in foreign languages. <laughs> it's called the rumble. I thought, I look back, I'm like, was it ramble? No, rumble. In the rumble with the maid, La Bella Carolina. Oh, she's pretty Carolina. Pretty Carolina. Sweet Carolina. Carolina. Do, bum, do, bum, do. Bum. In the rumble. With the, the maid, maid, the maid, the, the maid. maid, the maid. <laughs> oh, Lord. La Bella Carolina, whose heart was gay with laughter, who was young and rosy. The time flew, but I observed. Listen to this, I pray, and here the courier dropped his voice. I observed my mistress sometimes brooding in a manner very strange, in a frightened manner, in an unhappy manner, with a cloudy, uncertain alarm about her. I think that I began to notice this. Maybe it's because he was in the ramble with the maid. <laughs> His mistress didn't like it very much. That seems reasonable. <laughs> Maybe that's why she's moody. I'm just saying. <laughs> Sweetie, why, why, why are you so morose? What are you doing with the maid in the rumble? <laughs> rumbling, rumbling in Italian. I notice her Italian's getting real good. Mm-hmm. At any rate, I remember that it impressed itself upon my mind one evening in the south of France when she called to me to call Master back. And when he came back and walked for a long way, talking encouraged... In, 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 you, you want to try that word again? Encouraged? I know what it's saying. I just can't do it. Where is it? I don't know what you're... Encouragingly. That's, I was right. Encouragingly. I thought it was encourageable. Like, that's what I was thinking nope. in my Encouragingly. head. Encouragingly and affectionately to her, with she his hand upon the open window and hers in it. Now and then he laughed at a merry way, as if he were bantering her out of something. By and by she laughed, and then all went well again. So she was sad, and then her buddy came back, and she was cool and she again. She was cool again. So she got a buddy, too. And they, she, went, they went to the rumble. And she calls him master. So... This is a kinky, weird household. They went to the rumble. Love it. <laughs> it was... Oh, he's still hanging out with Carolina. It was curious, I asked La Bella Carolina, the pretty little one, 
Was Mistress unwell? No. Out of spirits? No. Fearful of bad roads or brigades? No. And what made it more mysterious was the pretty little one would not look at me in giving answer, but would look at the view. Maybe she didn't like your face. But one day she told me the secret. If you must know, said Carolina, I find from what I have overheard that Mistress is haunted. How haunted? By a dream. What dream? By a dream of a face. For three nights before her marriage, she saw a face in a dream. Always the same face, and only one. A terrible face? No, the face of a dark, remarkable-looking man in black, with black hair and a grey moustache. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Yay! There's a moustache! Welcome to Campfire Classics, our moustache appreciation fan cast. <laughs> so, Nick Offerman, <laughs> come on over. <laughs> and anyone else. Nick Offerman, uh, 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 Wilfred Brimley, um, anyone who has ever played Hercule Poirot, uh, Tom Selleck. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, bring it on. Bring we're, it. We're, if you have a mustache, if you have a mustache, send us a picture. Yes. Yeah. Send it. Send us a picture. The more ridiculous it is, the better. The most ridiculous looking mustache picture that you can send will get a shout out on the podcast. Yeah. Send us your moustaches. Moustache. <laughs> Gray moustache. A handsome man, except for... A Reserved in secret air, not a face she ever saw, or at all a face that she ever saw. <laughs> he really does repeat himself. <laughs> not a face she ever saw, or at all like a face she ever saw. Doing nothing in the dream, but looking at her fixedly out of the darkness. Does the dream come back? Never. The recollection of it is all her trouble. Wow, that's a rough dream, man. <laughs> and... Why does it trouble her? Carolina shook her head. That's Master's question, said La Bella. She doesn't know. Oh, she don't know. So she, okay, so she's got, she's, she's learning her Italian, but her English ain't so good. <laughs> she don't know. She, oh, she's probably from, she's called me. It's, it's, it's Liza Doolittle. Liza Doolittle. <laughs> I don't know why Liza Doolittle's from the South now. <laughs> She don't, she don't know. know. She wonders why herself, but I heard her tell him one night, only last night, that if she was going to find a picture of that face in our Italian house, which she is afraid she will, she did not know how she ever could bear it. Upon my word, I was fearful after this, said the Giannese courier, out of the coming of the old palazzo, lest some such ill-starred picture would have happened to be there. I knew there were many there, and as we got nearer and nearer to the place, I wished the whole gallery in the crater of Bershashafrasha. <laughs> Can you spell that? Bershashafrasha? V-E-S-U-V-I-U-S. -S. Vesuvius? Ves oh, shit! <laughs> word and like ready oh my god i had a friend in college and he like we called his pile of clothes mount vesuvius because <laughs> i don't know this man had more clothes and i'm still friends with him and i don't want to say his name because i don't want to embarrass him but you know call who you are call, call him out. out and they're a wonderful person and but in college he was roommates with my then like boyfriend and he just had a stack of clothes and we were always like Bleep and Mount Vesuvius. <laughs> but I've never seen it writing. Love it. So that's how you spell Mount Vesuvius. I learned something new today. Uh, so you're going to have to uh, send a copy of this podcast to the oh, owner of Mount Vesuvius. I absolutely will. <laughs> I wish I knew... Uh, bleep, bleep, bleep. I wish the whole gallery in the crater of Vesuvius... To mend the matter, it was a stormy, dismal evening when we, at last, approached the part of the Riviera. It thundered, and the thunder of my city and its environs rolling among the high hills and very loud. The lizards... <laughs> it's 
So the, the thunder's very loud. Mm-hmm. The lizards ran in and out of the chinks of the broken stone wall of the garden as if they were frightened. The frogs bubbled and croaked their loudest. The sea wind moaned and the wet trees dripped and the lightning. Body of St. Lorenzo. How it lightninged. <laughs> wow. That's a these storm. Guys, these guys are descriptive. This is like, this... that was like, that was, that was sexy to read. Like, I was just like, mmm, mm, I can see that words, picture. These words taste good. They do. They taste good. <laughs> mm, I'm just hungry, I think. <laughs> we all know what an old place in or near Genoa is. How time and the sea air have blotted it. How the drapery painted on the outer walls has peeled off in great flakes of plaster. How the lower windows are darkened with rusty bars of iron. How the courtyard is overgrown with grass. How the outer buildings are dilapidated. How the old, the whole pile seems devoted to ruin. That's what Sierra does to things, ma'am. Our palazzo was one of the true kind. It had been shut up for months. Months? No, years. It had an earthy smell like a tomb. Oh, we're back in a tomb. <laughs> Tombs and mustaches. Tombs and mustaches. Campfire classics. The scent of the orange... New taglines. <laughs> Campfire classics. Tombs and mustaches. Yeah. And delicious words. And delicious words. Delicious sexual words. Delicious tasty words. <laughs> The scent of the orange trees on the broad back terrace and of the lemons ripening on the wall and of some shrubs that grew around the broken fountain had got into the house somehow and had never been able to get out again. There was in every room an aged smell, grown faint with confinement. It pined in all the cupboards and the drawers. In the little rooms of communication between great rooms, it was stifling. If you turned a picture to come back to the if you turned a picture to come back to the pictures there is still there it still was clinging to the wall behind the frame sort of like a bat so the walls are like stained with these smells so even if you like so if you take a picture off and then you put another picture on it's not the picture that smells it's the wall it's, the it's wall. like in the wall they need to like hire a maid what 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 they need to burn this place to the ground no what what this Italian maid lady? What's what's why is she Sweet Caroline doing? What's Sweet Caroline doing? She's not doing her job. <laughs> She's just in the rumble. She's in the rumble learning Italian. Italian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the lattice blinds were closed shut all over the house. Well, maybe they got some air. There were two ugly, gray old women in the house to take care of it. Well, it's because they're old and they don't have time. Or energy. Or energy. Like, the get, probably get coming sweet, off of them. sweet Caroline in there. Get her, get her in there. To take care of it. One of them with a spindle who stood winding and mumbling in the doorway <laughs> and who would as soon have let the devil in as the heir. Master Mistress La Bella Carolina and I went all through the palazzo. I went first, though I have named myself last, opening the windows in the lattice blinds and shaking down on myself splashes of rain and scrapes of mortar, and now then a do- now and then a dozing mosquito or a monstrous, fat, blotchy Genoese spider. <laughs> Ew! I do not like the sound of this place. Oh my god, it stinks and it's wet and there's fucking mosquitoes it's and spiders giant everywhere? Giant-ass bugs and... Critters. Is this and their honeymoon? Where the hell are they going? No wonder two, this lady's having horrible dreams. And two creepy old ladies who apparently don't clean the place. Who apparently sit in the corner with a spindle wheel and like mumble to themselves. Like, that is my nightmare. What is this? Uh, Not What do you cool. think the odds are this that one of them turns out to be Rumpelstiltskin? Let's find out. <laughs> When I had let the evening light into the room, Master Mistress and La Bella Carolina entered. When we looked round at all the pictures, and I went forward again into another room, Mistress secretly had a great fear of meeting with the likeness of that face. We all had. But there was no such thing. The Madonna and the Bambino, San Francisco, San Sebastiano, Venus, Santa 
Katarina, angels, brigades, friars, temples at sunset, battles, white horses. So, okay. So lots it's of paintings. Art, it's an art museum. Got it. Got it. <laughs> angels, lots of paintings. brigades. You can again tell he got paid by the word. Yep. Friars, temples at sunset, battles, white horses, forests, apostles, dogs, all to my old acquaintances, many times repeated. Yes. Dark, handsome man in black, reserved and secret with a black hair and a gray mustache, looking fixedly at the mistress out of the darkness? No. <laughs> at last we got through all the rooms and all the pictures and came out in the gardens. They were pretty well kept, being rented by a gardener, and were large and shady. In one place there was a rustic theater open to the sky. Oh, I want to go do outdoor <laughs> theater. That would be lovely, but you don't want to do it at this house. No, because there's mosquitoes and spiders all up in your business. Uh, and you can smell the old ladies seeping out of the paintings. <laughs> God, God. Ew. Why? <laughs> Charles Dickens, you disgusting. In one place there was a rustic theater open to the sky, the stage on a green slope, the coulisse three entrance entrances upon the side, sweet-smelling leafy screens. Mistress moved her bright eyes even then as if she looked to see the face upon in which the scene, but all was well. Now, Clara, Master said in a low voice. Oh, good, I, I did it right. <laughs> you see that it is nothing. You are happy. Mistress was much encouraged. She soon accustomed herself to that grim palazzo and would sing and play the harp and copy the old pictures and stroll with Master under the green trees and vines all day. She was beautiful. He was happy. He would laugh and say to me, Mounting his horse for his morning ride before the heat. I was wondering where that, that <laughs> sentence was going. He was happy as he mounted. As he mounted. Get to the next page. Get to the next page. Morning the next ride page. before the heat. His horse. Yes, horse. All goes well, Baptista. Yes, Signor. Thank God. Very well. We kept no company. I took La Bella to the Domino and Antica to the... Cafe, Italian words, to the opera, to the villa, to the village festa, to the public garden, to the day theater, to the... I love how some of these are day theater, and then the next word is marionette. <laughs> it's like English word, Italian word, English word. The pretty little one was charmed with all she saw. She learned Italian, heavens, miraculously. Was mistress quite forgotten? Getful of that dream. I asked Carolina sometimes. Nearly, said Labella. Almost. It was wearing out. One day, Master received a letter and called me. Baptista, Signor, a gentleman who is presented to me will dine here today. He is called the Signor Della Delambra. Della Delambra. The Signor Delambra. Let me dine like a prince. Oh shit, it's gonna it's be It's gonna be the guy from the dream. It's like And anyone who's good. surprised by that does not understand basic storytelling. So get ready. Here comes the, the dark haired man the... with the glorious mustache. <laughs> da 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 It was an odd name. It it was an odd name. <laughs> I did not know that name, but there had been many noblemen and gentlemen pursued by Austria on political suspicions lately, and some names had changed. Perhaps this was one. Altro. Delambra was a good name to me as another. When the Signor Delambra came to dinner, said the Genoese courier in a low voice into which he had subsided once before, I showed him into the reception room, the great sala of the old palazzo. Master received him with... Oh, I get it. This courier is like a servant. And so whenever he's talking about... Yeah. That's not his wife. So like when we were back there, like, why is he sleeping around? I'm like, of course he's hanging... Of course he's hanging out with the maid in the ram rumble because that's what... Because that's what they do. They do. They're servants. They're, they, they're like hooked up. It's like the Down Abbey. Yeah, it's like Down they're, they're downstairs. They're downstairs, and Master here is upstairs. Master, Master and, his and scare, Mistress are. Yes. Okay. I read Mistress, and you know. Yep. Like, that's my mistress. My mistress. But clearly, I just got put in my place. So now we're all on the same page. 
Literally, I'm on this page. Okay, so now I know what's happening. Uh, now that I know what story we're Now reading. that I know what's happening, it was coming together, and then I was like, hmm, yep, that's what's happening. Oh, no, here it comes. I can, I can, I can, it's gonna happen. You can feel it? It's gonna happen. When Signor Delambra came to dinner, said the Genoese courier in a low voice, which had subsided once before, I showed him into the reception room. The great sala of the old palazzo. Master received him with cord... Cordiality? Cordiality. And presented him to the mistress. As she Was that rose... right? Yes. Yes. Cordiality. And presented him to the mistress. As she rose, her face changed. She gave a cry and fell upon the marble floor. Ow. <laughs> Will she do that often? Because if she did, then maybe she's got some brain trouble. That would hurt. Yeah. Marble floors are hard. Don't fall on that. Ow. Then I turned my head to the Signor Delimbra and saw that he was dressed in black and had a reserved and secret air and was a dark, remarkable-looking man with black hair and a gray mustache. <laughs> Master raised Mistress into his arms and carried her to his own room, where I sent La Bella Carolina straight. La Bella told me afterwards that Mistress was nearly terrified to death and that she wandered in her mind about the dream all night. Master was vexed and anxious, almost angry, and yet full of solitude. 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 The Signor Delimbra was a courtly gentleman and spoke with great respect and sympathy of Mistress's being so ill. The African wind had been blowing for some days. They had told him at the hotel at the Maltese Cross, and he knew that it was often hurtful. He hoped that the beautiful lady would soon recover. He begged permission to retire and to renew his visit when he would have the happiness of hearing that she was better. Master would not allow this, and they dined alone. <laughs> She'll like you, dude. Uh, yeah. No. Did you see what happened when you walked into the room? You Fuck off. You are literally <laughs> haunting her dreams. <laughs> like, oh my god. I think he's, they should just tell him, like, she had a horrible dream about you, and yeah, you can't ever see her again. So you can eat with me. Um, you're going to leave her alone. Um, don't mind the stinky smell in the walls. Also, how do you feel about garlic? Because I'm pretty sure you're Dracula. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, maybe. He withdrew early. Next day, he called at the gate on horseback to inquire for mistress. Oh, he is persistent, man. He did so two or three times in that week. What I observed myself and what La Bella Carolina told me united to explain to me that Master had now set his mind on curing Mistress of her fanciful terror. He was all kindness, but he was sensible and firm. He reasoned with her that to encourage such fancies was to invite melancholy, if not madness, that it rested with herself to be herself, that if she once resisted her strange weakness so successfully as to receive the Signor Delambra as an English lady would receive any other guest, it was forever conquered. So he's like, he's like, okay, I'm gonna make her face her fears. Yep. This is like, this is legit. This is this is Fear Factor Dickens edition. Dick, Fear Factor Dickens. It's Fear Factor Vampires. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so excited. To make an end, the senior came again, and mistress received him without marked distress, though the constraint and apparitions and apprehension still. The evening passed serenely. Master was so delighted with this change, and so anxious to confirm it, that the senior Delimbra became a constant guest. He was accomplished in pictures, books, and music, and his society in any grim palazzo would have been welcomed. I used to notice many times that Mistress was not quite recovered. She would cast down her eyes and droop her head before the Signor Delimbra, or would look at him with a terrified and fascinating glance, as if his presence had some evil influence or power upon her. Turning from this her to him, Dracula. I know, I'm so excited. What? What's the deal? Turning from her to him, I used to see him in the shaded gardens or in the large half-lighted sala. Yeah, but never in the sunlight. Because he can't go in the Dracula. Sun. Oh my god! Oh my god! I'm so excited. Fix uh, half-lighted sala, looking as I might say, fix 
fixedly upon her out of the darkness. But truly, I had not forgotten La Bella Carolina's words describing the face in the dream. After his second visit, I heard Master say, Now, see, my dear Clara, it's over. D'Alembrat has come and gone, and your apprehension is broken like glass. Will he, uh, will he ever come again? said Mistress. Again? Why, surely, over and over. Are you cold? She shivered. No, dear, but he terrifies me. Are you sure that he need to come again? The surer for the question, Clara, replied Master cheerfully. This guy's a dick. What a like, douche. Doesn't he have any other friends? Like, like he's just like, I'm just going to keep torturing my, like, new new bride by, like, bringing this guy that's terrifying That's clearly her. freaking her out. She's shivering. She fell on the marble floor. Like, come on, dude. And he's, like, creeping around the gardens in the dark, like, staring at his yep. wife. Nope, not okay. Maybe he's, like, into it. Maybe he's, like, hoping that, like, maybe he's, I don't know. <laughs> let's, let's find out. Because this is, this is upsetting. I did say that this was reported to be, um, yeah. creepy. Yeah, it is. I'm, like, totally into it. <laughs> okay. The sure for the question, Clara, replied Master cheerfully. But he was very hopeful in her complete recovery now. And grew more and more so every day. She was beautiful. He was happy. All goes well, Baptista, he would say to me again. Uh, yes, senor, thank God, very well. We were all, said the Genoese courier, constrained, constraining himself to speak a little louder. We were all at Rome for the carnival. I had been out all day with a Sicilian, a friend of mine, and a courier, who was there with an English family. As I returned at night for our hotel, I met little Carolina, who never stirred from her home alone, running distractly along the Corso. Carolina, what's the matter? Oh, Baptista! Oh, for the Lord's sake, where is my mistress? Mistress Carolina? Gone since morning, told me when Master went out for his long day's journey in tonight, not <laughs> it does not say in tonight. Long day's journey not to call her, for she was tired with not resting in the night. Oh, she's not sleeping at night. Uh oh. Having been in pain and would lie in bed until the evening, then get up refreshed. She's gone. She's gone. Master has come back, broken down the door, and she's gone. My beautiful. She's a vampire too. Yep. Yeah. My beautiful, my good, my innocent mistress. The pretty little one so cried and raved and tore herself that I could not have held her but for her swooning on my arm as if she had been shot. Master came up in manner, face or voice, no more the master that I knew than I was he. He took me. I laid the little one upon her bed in the hotel and left her with the chamberwoman in a carriage, furiously through the darkness across the desolate Champiana. Champagna. Champagna. <laughs> Success. We got there. English. Sometimes, she just, Sometimes she just gotta, like, sound out the letters. So, you know, never give up. Hooked on phonics works, works for me. me. When it was day and we stopped at the miserable post house. <laughs> wow. <laughs> some issues not, with... Not pulling punches. He has some issues with the post office. Sorry. The miserable post house. Oh, post house is where the horses have been. Oh. Aha, mm -hmm. again. <laughs> Words mean different Words things. Words mean different things. All the horses had been hired 12 hours ago and sent away in different directions. Mark me by the Signor Delimbra, who had passed there in a carriage with a frightened English lady crouching in the corner. He just damn kidnapped her. I never heard, said the Genoese courier, drawing a long breath, that she had ever traced beyond that spot, that she was ever traced beyond that spot. All I know is that she vanished into infamous oblivion with the dreaded face beside her that she had seen in her dream. What do you call that? said the German courier triumphantly. Ghosts! There are no ghosts there! What do you call this? That I am going to tell you. Ghosts! There are no ghosts here! I took an engagement once, pursued the... Oh, he's back. The German's back. I took an en I took an engagement once. I took an engagement. <laughs> they don't just put Z's in front of everything indiscriminately. Yeah, they do. 
Well, uh, I took an engagement once, pursued the German courier, with an English gentleman, elderly and a bachelor. I don't know what this is. And the bachelor, to travel through my country, my fatherland. He was a merchant who traded with my country, and I knew the language, but who had never been there since I was a boy, and I judge some 60 years before. His name was James. He had a twin brother, John, also also a bachelor. Between these brothers, there was great affection. They were in business together at Goodman's Fields, and they did not live together. Mr. James dwelt in Poland Street, turning out... I hate this guy. Turning out the Oxford Street, London, Mr. John resided by Epping Forest. Mr. James and I were, uh, were to start for Germany in about a week. The exact day, depending on my business, Mr. John came to Poland Street, where I was staying in a house, to pass that week with Mr. James. But he said to his brother on the second day, I don't feel very well, James. There's not much matter with me, but I think I am a little gouty. Ah, the rich man's disease. I don't feel well, James. There's nothing the matter with me, but I've been eating all this steak and drinking red wine. Mmm, steak and wine. I'm just a little fat. (laughs) I'm just feeling a little fat. I mean, I definitely have those days where I'm like, I don't feel great because I am bloated and I ate a lot of food yesterday. I'm not, I'm not sick. I just ate too much pizza yesterday. I'm just fat. <laughs> I'm just feeling a little pudgy today. I'm not sick. I'm just full of beer and Totino's pizza rolls. Mm, beer and Totino's pizza rolls. So much food. <laughs> I think we're hungry. Uh, I'll go home and put myself under the care of my old housekeeper who understands my ways. If I get quite better, I'll come back and see you before you go. If I don't feel well enough to resume my visit when I, when I leave it off, why, uh, why you will come and see me before you go. Mr. James, of course, said he would, and they shook hands, both hands, as they always did, and Mr. John ordered out his old-fashioned chariot and rumbled home. I was on the second night after that, that is to say, the fourth in the week, when I awoke out of my sound sleep by Mr. James coming into my bedroom in a flannel gown. Uh Uh-oh. Whoa. Gouty, gouty, dirty man. What's he doing? With a lighted candle, he sat upon my bedside and looked at me and said, Wilhelm, I have reason to think I have got some strange illness upon me. Then perceived that there was some very unusual expression on his face. Wilhelm, he, he, said he, I am not afraid or ashamed to tell you what I might be afraid or ashamed to tell another man. Okay. You come from a sensible country where mysterious things are inquired into and are not settled on to have been weighed or measured, or to have been unweightable or unmeasured, or in other case you have been completely disposed of for all time, ever so many years. I have just now seen the phantom of my brother. I confess, said the German courier, that it gave me a little tingling of the blood to hear it. I have just now seen, Mr. James repeated, looking full at me, that I might see how collected he was. The phantom of my brother John was sitting on my bed, unable to sleep, when I came into my room in a white dress and regarded me earnestly. Why is his brother wearing a white dress? (laughs) He has something important to share. He's getting married. Um, glanced at some paperwork on the writing desk, turned. I feel pretty. I'm a phantom. And I'm haunting the shit out of you. And I'm not. (laughs) Now, I am not in the least mad, and I am not at least disposed to invest that phantom with any external existence out of myself. I think it is a warning to me that I am ill, and I think I had better be bled. Oh, see, this is back when they'd like, this was medicine. They're just gonna like drain your blood. Stick leeches on you. Super good. I got out of bed directly, said the German courier, and began to put on my clothes, begging him not to be alarmed, and telling him that I would go myself to the doctor. I was just ready when I heard a loud knocking and ringing from the street door. My room being in the at the attic at the back, and Mr. James being on the second floor in the front, we went down to his room and put up the window to see what was the matter. 
Is that Mr. James, said the man below, fall, uh, falling back to the opposite side of the way to look up. It is, said Mr. James. And you are my brother's man, Robert? Yes, sir. I am sorry to say, sir, that Mr. John is ill. He is very bad, sir. It is even fears that he may be lying to the point of death. He wants to see you, sir. I have a chaise here. Pray come to him. Pray lose no time. Mr. James and I looked at one another. Wilhelm, he said, this is strange. I wish you to come with me. I helped him dress, parted there, and parted, and partly in the chaise. Chaise? Well, uh, is that a question? I don't know. Huh? Is a chaise, is that a room and not a chair? No, it's like a uh, 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 like cart, a uh, carriage. Ah, got it. Because like, I think of like a chaise lounge, like like chilling. Yeah. No, he came with with a uh, a, a carriage, like a little yeah. a little it's cart a little, thingy little, to, little cute, to little cute cart to bring him to his brother who's sick. Oh no! Sicky brother. Oh no! I bet his brother is a vampire too. Yeah, they're all vampires. Yeah. Um, and no grass grew under the horses, iron shoes between Poland Street and the forest. Now mine, said the German courier. I went to Mr. James into his brother's room, and I saw and heard myself what follows. His brother lay upon his bed, at the upper edge of the long bedchamber. His old housekeeper was there, and others were there, and I think three others were there, if not four, and they had been with him ever since this afternoon. He was in white, like the, like the figure, necessarily so, because he had on a nightdress. He looked like the figure, necessarily so. They, he just said that because he looked earnestly at his brother when he saw him come into the room. But when his brother reached to the bedside, he slowly raised himself out of bed and looking full upon him said these words, James, you have seen me before tonight and you know it. And so died. I waited when the German courier. I waited when the German courier ceased to hear something said of this strange story. The silence was unbroken. I looked around, and the five couriers were gone so noiselessly that the ghostly mountain might have absorbed them into its eternal snows. By this time. I was by no means in a mood to sit alone in that awful scene with the chill air coming solemnly upon me. Or if I may tell the truth, to sit alone anywhere. So I went back into the convent parlor, and finding the American gentleman still disposed to relate the biography of the Honorable Anias Dodger, heard it all out. What the fuck was that? Oh shit, that's the end. What? <laughs> what the fuck was that? We didn't figure anything out. Um... I think if we go back and look at the director's cut, we will see some scenes that explain that they were all vampires the whole time. To be read at dusk. One, two, three, four, five. There were five of them. Five couriers sitting on a bench outside the convent. I don't think so. They were not all vampires. Oh, they all disappeared. They all disappeared. Like, they're all ghosts or something. Oh, Fuck. This is this is this is some icy dead oh, people shit. Oh shit! So Charles Dickens, who's the narrator, like he's, he sat sits, there and listened he sits, to he these. He sits at a convent where a bunch of like dead bodies have been pulled up from the base of the mountain, and they're telling and sits, their scary stories. And he sits at this convent and spends the evening listening to a bunch of ghosts argue about, about if there's ghosts if ghosts exist <laughs> <laughs> and they like all had like that woman got like abducted by a vampire yeah. for sure oh 100% and his brother was like a fucking spirit like he's like sent his spirit out to like kill his own brother that's fucked that was weird that was so weird that was a bizarre one Fucking Charles Dickens. Dickens, man. What, what the fuck? Oh, my God. I mean, that was, like, the, I, I think I should have abandoned the German accent. Should have abandoned the German accent. <laughs> but uh, that, that I mean, I was intrigued. I was like, where the fuck is this going? Yeah. It got, it, well, it got, it got so, um, 
it got so engaging. Yeah. That I forgot to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> See, no, these are got, good stories. It got, it got it got super interesting. Yeah, I wanted and, to like read. I was like, go go go! I want to find out what happened. Yeah, I think one hundred percent. It was uh, oh um, spoilers for anyone who has not yet seen the Sixth Sense. Oh God, he sees dead people, y'all. They were. They were dead the whole time. They were dead. So M. Night Shyamalan stole from Charles Dickens. Right alongside uh, Freddie Mercury. Oh, yeah. And uh, 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 Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Wow. So we found the uh, source material for Led Zeppelin, Queen, and... um, And M. Night Shyamalan. M. Night Shyamalan. Well, you're welcome. And Charles Dickens. You're welcome, y'all. That's uh, that's the first Charles Dickens we did. Yeah. Um, that was just kind of creepy and and odd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there were I many I times it. I was reading, and I'm like, I don't know where this is going. I think I liked it. I think I, I liked know. it. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Yes. Excuse me. That was mostly peanut butter and banana. Yum. Mm-hmm. I'm so hungry. We talked about food so much during that. So I, I hope you enjoyed this, the second installment of Campfire Classics, a fan cast for mustaches and tombs. Mustaches and tombs. <laughs> um, no, this this has been episode two of uh, Campfire Classics, where we try to read those books that look really good on your bookshelf. Yeah. Join us on our Facebook page, join us on our website, and uh, become a patron and get cool shit and, like, help us eat, because we're clearly very hungry. So, 5050artsproduction.com. Google it. Thanks. Thanks, y'all. See you next time. Mm, let's go make dinner.